Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today is Confirmation Sunday, which is an important day in the life of our congregation, an important day in the life of any congregation. Confirmation Sunday is the culmination of two years of studies and experiences for our youth and their families. It's a threshold over which our confirmands will cross into a new chapter in their journey of faith, and our relationship with them will evolve and grow. Confirmation is an important Sunday, but last year, I almost didn't see it happen. See, last year about this time, I was coming back from a church conference in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I was flying back the Saturday before confirmation. And I had planned my return trip out perfectly. I came, had a flight early afternoon, connecting in Charlotte. I didn't pick the last flight of the day. I had three flights to Philly after me, so if I got bumped back, I was a little late. There's three more chances to fly into Philly that night to make sure I was here for confirmation Sunday. Everything is going according to plan at the, at the uh, Charlotte airport. We are boarded on our flight home to Philly. When the announcement comes that you don't want to hear, um, weather is terrible in Philly airport. Nothing is getting in. Nothing is getting out. We're going to have to deplane. So we get all of our stuff. We get out of the plane. We get in the customer service line. I call the airline to see if I can jump ahead and get something booked. And uh, she says, she picks up the phone and says, oh, uh, good news, Mr. Anderson. I've already booked you on uh, another flight. And I was like, when? great, when is it? Tomorrow morning. And I said, no, I have to get home. It's confirmation tomorrow. I have to be home for confirmation. Can you fly me to Trenton or BWI or Newark or anything? And she said, well, I can get you on the 11 p.m. flight to BWI, Baltimore, Washington. And I said, I'll take it. And uh, so waited around. As I waited around at the Charlotte airport, I called the rental car company in BWI to make sure I had something reserved. So get into BWI at 1230 in the morning. I take the long shuttle at BWI to the rental car. I'm the first one off. I get the car. I drive two and a half hours home. I get home at 330 in the morning. I'm up at church at 730. And I was like, just hold it together. Just stay upright. Just get through confirmation. You're here. You made it. And finally, when I was at the altar celebrating communion for confirmation, I just broke down because it meant so much for me to be there for confirmation because we've been through two years together because we had so many experiences because it's an important day in your life, the life of your family, the life of this congregation, and I just had to be here. Uh, the furthest I went yesterday was Trader Joe's. 
just to be safe. <laughs> and so today, confirmants, you and I both are setting out on new journeys of faith, an important moment for all of us. Today, you begin a new chapter as confirmed Christians. Uh, you claim your parents' baptismal promises for yourself. You become, as we say, adults in the church, stepping into greater leadership roles here among us. And tomorrow, I begin my summer sabbatical, and I fly to Portugal, assuming all goes well, (laughs) to walk the ancient pilgrimage route, the Camino de Santiago de Compostela, the way of St. James. Journeys and caminos and pilgrimages are profound metaphors for our life of faith. Uh, We are both walking paths where others have gone before us. For more than a thousand years, people have been walking on the Camino, and you are following in the footsteps of centuries of believers who have laid claim and confirmed their faith. As in faith, we're all on essentially the same path, but we each come at it from different places. We each walk our journey of faith a little differently. We have different styles and paces and approaches, and we all carry different baggage. The trail is well-worn. The people who have come before us have left us markers. They have pointed the way. And as with any journey, we will be dependent on the hospitality of friends and strangers. It's not about the destination, for in faith we never fully arrive. It's about the journey, the experience, and the people that we will meet along the way, the stories that we will hear and tell. In preparation for my trip, I've been rereading one of my favorite books called Wild from Lost to Found on the Pacific Crest Trail by Cheryl Strayed. Uh, It's one of my favorites. I'm reading it for the fourth time now. And the Pacific Crest Trail is essentially the western version of the Appalachian Trail. It runs from the border of Mexico all the way to the border with Canada. And Cheryl Strayed walked from the Mojave Desert in California up through the high Sierras, through the Cascade Mountains in Oregon, and all the way to Washington State. And at one point during the book, she's recounting the history of how this trail came to be, and she writes, preposterous as it was, when those who created the PCT, the Pacific Crest Trail, had imagined the people who would walk the high trail that wound down the heights of our western mountains, they'd been imagining me. It had nothing to do with gear or footwear or the backpacking fads or philosophies of any particular era or even getting from point A to point B. It had only to do with how it felt to be in the wild, with what it was like to walk for miles for no reason other than to witness the accumulation of trees and meadows, mountains and deserts, streams and rocks, rivers and grasses, sunrises and sunsets. The experience was powerful and fundamental. It seems to me that it had always felt like this, to be a human in the wild. As long as the wild existed, it would always feel this way. That's what the creators knew, I supposed, what thousands of people who preceded and followed them knew, what I knew before I even really did, before I could have known how hard and how glorious the PCT would be, how profoundly the trail would both shatter and shelter me. On the trail in our journeys of faith, we discover what our Creator intended for each of us and what our ancestors and forebears have hoped for us, and we find all those in ourselves. 
In our readings for today, the disciples are about to embark on a new journey of their own. Um, The scene here is Jesus ascending back into heaven, rising up above them, heading off on the clouds. The disciples had been on their own three-year journey with Jesus. He called them to follow him. They did, and they walked together from Galilee to Jerusalem, healing and teaching and learning and serving. And they get to Jerusalem, and Jesus dies, and he rises again. And Luke says he stayed with them for 40 days and then ascends back up into heaven. And as the book of Acts describes it, Jesus says, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when it comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses into all the earth. And when he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of sight. What do we imagine that the disciples were thinking and feeling on that hill? Were they feeling sadness or grief or fear or awe or gratitude or all of the above? Were they just transfixed watching him rise up through the sky? The church I was baptized in, the church that my mother still attends, has a painting of Jesus' ascension rising up above the altar in their sanctuary. Uh, Below is a blanket of clouds, and then there's Jesus in a white robe with a red sash, hands lifted in a gesture of blessing, heading up into heaven. It is a transfixing image, one that I think probably the preachers don't appreciate as much as everybody else who is listening to them or zoning out watching Jesus ascend as the preacher preaches that day. But then it says in Acts, while he was going and they were gazing up to heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up to heaven? This Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back to you in the same way. And I love that line. Why are you looking up toward heaven? The point, I think, is that faith isn't about watching the clouds float by or navel-gazing, but to walk the journey and to see Christ not in the clouds but in other people and to put one foot in front of the other to help and to heal and to teach like Jesus showed us. Faith is not lived in theory. Faith is not a philosophy. Faith is not an intellectual agreement with an idea. Faith is lived out in this beautiful and broken world God made, lived out in the lives of our neighbors whom we are called to love. It involves risk in putting ourselves out there so that people can know something about God's love for them and the world. The journey of faith is about being surprised by beauty and grace, moving through the world with eyes that look for God and grinding it out when the journey isn't easy. It's one part watching your step, one part being aware of your surroundings, and one part stopping to rest and drink it all in. Why are you looking into heaven, they ask? God is here. God is here in you and in each other and in the stranger and neighbor and in the beauty of creation. God is in the joy and in the struggle, in the peace and in the conflict, in our faith and in our doubt, in our hopes and our dreams. But we will not see it and we will not experience it and we will not know it if we just remain still, staring at the clouds, gazing up into heaven. We won't know it if we don't have the courage to embark on the journey and see where it leads us. And that is what you are doing today. It would be easy to think of confirmation as a day, a moment, a worship service. 
But confirmation is a lived thing. It is walked. It is enacted in what we do and what we say. Each day as God confirms God's love for us, we are confirming our faith, whether we feel like it or not, whether we feel strong in our faith or not, whether we recognize God in our midst or not. Each step of our lives is a confirmation, a confirmation of our hope, a confirmation of God's promise that, lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. Millions have walked the path that lies before us. They have set us signs and markers. They have made for us places to rest and pointed out beautiful vistas. There are easy and difficult portions of the path, but each person, each pilgrim, makes the path their own. Each pilgrim shapes it and leaves it for those who follow. You can read all kinds of guidebooks and travel blogs and stories on social media about walking the journey. But finally, in the end, you have to make it your Blaze the trail and lead us and show us what faith can do. The Trappist monk Thomas Merton once penned a famous prayer for journeys, and it goes like this. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope that I have the desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Such is the journey of faith. Such is the journey of the confirmed life in Christ. Such is the journey that I begin tomorrow. May God bless us and keep us on all our journeys, on all our caminos. I will remember you and I will pray for you. And I ask that you pray for me and that God be with us till we meet again. Amen.